0: Midtown Detroit studios of WDET. This is Detroit Today.
1: Today we are going to talk about the disparities that exist between places where vaccination rates are high and communities where we are still struggling to convince more people to take the shot. How much does politics drive those decisions and what are we supposed to do to break through to convince more people that vaccination is the way out of the pandemic we'll talk about it next on detroit today but first the news from npr Welcome to Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. Why is this pandemic still raging on the way that it is? That's a question I've asked a number of times on this show in recent weeks. We've now had the vaccines for COVID-19 for almost a year. And they've been widely available for any adult who wants one since the spring. Kids five and older now can get them as well. And we have all kinds of knowledge now about how to keep ourselves safe, even in social situations. And yet we've got more adults hospitalized here in Michigan now than we've had at any previous point in the pandemic. The hospitals are full, full of people who are sick with this really, really dangerous disease. It's confusing, it's maddening, and sometimes it feels like the rug just keeps getting pulled out from under us. But we know why this is happening, even if we don't always want to say it. It's the people who refuse to get vaccinated who are fueling this surge. Their susceptibility to the disease is what keeps it alive. And their lack of immunity is what helps it spread. It's people who refuse to believe experts and scientists who've dedicated their lives to understanding how infectious diseases and vaccines work, who are the ones who are keeping this pandemic going. But here's another question. Why are there so many people like this? Why are there so many people who won't take the vaccine? Why are there so many people who doubt the science that brought us the vaccines? What is the difference between those of us who've gone and gotten two doses of the COVID-19 vaccine and, in my case, rushed out to get the booster as soon as they said I could. And people who haven't taken any of these measures, people who are just absolutely opposed to the idea. That's what we want to talk about today on the show. What are the differences between those who believe in the vaccine and think perhaps it's a way out of the pandemic, and those who, for whatever reason, are taking a pass? We want to hear from you during this hour. What do you think about vaccines? What do you think is the difference between those of us who are all about the vaccine and the people who aren't? You can always call us on the phones, 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. And you can also go to Facebook and to Twitter and put comments there, and we'll work you into the conversation. And I should say up front, for the first part of the show today, we have two guests who are with us on the phones, and so we won't be able to take calls uh, before about 9.30. But you can still go to social media, Facebook, Twitter, Put comments there and we'll work you into the conversation. Or you can call 313 577 1019 and hang on until the second part of the show when we will be able to take your calls. We do have two really great guests with us today to talk about this question. Charles Gaba is a Bloomfield based independent healthcare analyst and founder of ACA signups.net, which has been live tracking. Obamacare enrollments since the exchanges launched in October of 2013. Charles Gaba, welcome to Detroit Today.
0: Uh, thank you for having me. Yeah.
1: Also with us is Liz Hamill. She is Vice President and Director of Public Opinion and Survey Research at the Kaiser Family Foundation. Liz Hamill, welcome to Detroit Today.
2: Thanks for having me.
1: So I'm going to start here. You've both been gathering gathering information and data about how politics and misinformation are contributing to deaths and low vaccination rates. Charles, I'm going to start with you. What kind of data have you been looking at and what does it tell you about these issues?
0: Uh, yeah, well, I've for, since around um, uh, April or May of this year, I've been uh, tracking the, uh, the vaccination rates across the country at the county level there's over 3100 counties nationwide or county equivalents and i've been tracking that uh um vaccination rates across all of those and I've, I've run it through uh, across different criteria um you know income levels education levels uh, population density things like that but the uh the one factor which i found the starkest uh most striking pattern, um, especially as we went in the summer and fall months, has been partisanship, basically basically, uh, how the counties voted uh, in the 2020 presidential election. Hmm.
1: And Liz, you've been working on the Kaiser Family Foundation's COVID-19 vaccine monitor, which has been tracking attitudes about the vaccines. What are you learning through that work about how politics and misinformation are really playing havoc with the efforts to to end the pandemic.
2: Yeah. So we've been doing monthly surveys of the U.S. public since December 2020. And, you know, we've seen over time that um, acceptance of the vaccines have it has increased as people saw their friends and family members get vaccinated. Um, But, you know, all along, certain groups have been less likely to get vaccinated. Um, That's included younger people who feel that they're less at risk of getting sick, uh, people living in rural areas. Early on, we saw that Black and Hispanic adults were lagging behind in their vaccination rates, um, and some of that had to do with access to the vaccines. But over time, we have seen as well that the the biggest factor in um, you know determining whether someone is vaccinated or not is really partisanship. We've seen Democrats getting vaccinated at much higher rates than Republicans, and that difference has become starker over time. Um, as you mentioned, we've also looked at misinformation. and you know, I mean, we've I, I think we can all agree that trying to follow what's going on with the pandemic in terms of science is really confusing. Um, things evolve quickly, which is great. That's why we got the vaccine so quickly. But it also means that sometimes as the science evolves, Recommendations change, and we found that it's really difficult for the public to understand what's true and what's not, um, and that you know, belief in misinformation is actually quite prevalent among the public, and particularly among people who have chosen not to get vaccinated.
1: Mm. And, and Liz, you write about declining the, the the public's declining trust in news as part of this. In other words, that over time, people are believing less of what they read and see, I guess, is is how I would interpret that. Talk about if that is, in in fact, what you're finding and what that looks like and what kinds of information are maybe trying to fill the void if, if news is not the way to, to, to learn facts about this.
2: Yeah, I mean, and that's a trend that predates the pandemic, right? I think for a long time we've seen trust in the media as a whole declining the pew research center has done a lot of great work around that not only declining trust overall but sort of increasing um, partisanship in which news sources people trust Uh, but what we found in our most recent survey is We asked about a variety of, you know, sort of national and your local news sources. And there was no news source that a majority of people said they trusted for information about Mm. COVID-19. And, you know, there was um, kind of division in who trusted which news sources. Uh, But beyond news sources, we've also seen declining trust and increasing polarization interest in sort of official sources of information, um, you know, including the CDC, the FDA, um, and national spokespeople like Dr. Anthony Fauci. So that has been a challenge for um, getting people on the same page in terms of believing, um, you know, scientific recommendations about the pandemic.
1: Hmm. So, Charles, you've been looking at these numbers in each individual state, in the country, and I wonder what you're seeing in terms of the trends. Are they pretty much uniform nationwide, or are there interesting, I guess, stands out standouts that might offer insights into the nature of of this problem?
0: Uh, yeah, actually, there there has been an interesting um, regional uh, variance that I have found um, from state to state. For example, the the highest Correlation of partisanship in terms of vaccination rates um, is actually in the Mountain West and West Coast states. So you know California, Oregon, Washington, and then also, but also some some uh, you know deep red states like Idaho and you know other uh, um, and Wyoming. Um, so there's a whole swath of uh, Western and West Coast states that there's a very very stark contrast where the you know the bluest, the most Democratic leaning counties have a very high uh, vaccination rate, whereas the uh, you know the the more rural uh, Republican leading uh, counties have a, have a much much lower and it's a very steep curve. Um, whereas in uh, the least there's the lowest correlation is actually in the deep South states, uh, you know Alabama, Mississippi, and so forth, where um, generally speaking, uh, the, the vaccination rate is fairly low across the board. So whether it's a red or a blue county, it tends to be a you know, it's a straight it's sort of a horizontal line um, but not in a good way because mm-hmm. uh, a lot of them are at a very low level um, the midwest midwest states including michigan are you know sort of, seem to be sort of in between um, you know uh, a higher higher slope than uh, than the southern than the deep south but lower than the, the western states um, and what i've also found is was um, uh, um, just mentioned Is that there's been an increase? There was an increasing rate over time. That is, in the first couple of months, back in February and March, when the vaccines were really only available or primarily available to seniors, there seemed to be very little partisan divide. Basically, seniors, uh, those over 65, across across the ideological spectrum, were getting vaccinated roughly the same rate. As it seemed like as soon as uh, eligibility was opened up to all adults and then, you know, 12 to 15 year olds after that. Uh, but as soon as it opened up to all adults, that's when the partisan divide really started increasing. And it, it's, it's been a, a very steady increase over time um, up until a couple of months ago when it seemed to sort of slow down again.
1: Hmm. So uh, when we think about it in in those terms, uh, uh, Charles, what what does that tell us? Uh, about these differences what what's beneath all of that what, what what's driving it
0: well you know I'm, I'm primarily just a data guy right so um, <laughs> right. Know, any, any, spe- <laughs> any speculation about why this is happening uh, obviously of my own my, my opinions about that but that's that's you know just that my opinion um, but yeah there, there does seem to be a tremendous amount of, of misinformation disinformation and it's it feels to me as though at some point um, the powers that be in uh, Republican leadership, uh, at uh, you know conservative uh, um, media outlets like Fox News and so forth, seem to have made some sort. I don't know if it was a collaborative decision or independent decision, but uh, to basically basically make anti-vax, you know, opposing vaccines uh, vaccination uh, of COVID as being sort of a, a, a rallying cry um, uh, to, to their base, even though, for example, Fox News themselves has a vaccination mandate, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, Tucker Carlson and other, uh, you know, <laughs> other uh, um, of their on-air folks uh, seem to be pushing opposing mm-hmm. uh, vaccinations. So, um, you know, you can draw your conclusions as to why they're doing that, <laughs> but that, that's, that's a lot of what I'm seeing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm talking with Charles Gaba, a Bloomfield-based independent healthcare analyst and founder of ACASignups.net, which has been tracking live Obamacare enrollment since uh, the exchanges launched in October of 2013. Also with us is Liz Hamill, she's Vice President and Director of Public Opinion and Survey Research at the Kaiser Family Foundation. <clears throat> We're talking about the disparities that exist in communities here in Southeast Michigan and around the country. With regard to vaccinations, so many people have responded to the development of the vaccines by rushing out to make sure that they get them. We're now seeing people do the same thing with their young children, ages 5 and up. Now everybody is eligible for a vaccine. But there are still a lot of people who doubt the safety or the efficacy or the necessity Of These vaccines and have refused to take even the first shot. What accounts for those differences? What's driving what uh, what, what's driving uh, the 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 real split, I guess, in our country right now about the COVID-19 pandemic, which is to vax or not to vax? Uh, we want to hear from you during this segment as well. You can give us a call at 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there, or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we can uh, try to work into the conversation right uh, that way. Uh, we are Right now, both of our guests are with us on the phone, so we can't take calls until... Uh, the second segment of the show, which will start around 9.30, uh, but you can certainly call and uh, get queued up to join the conversation that way. Meanwhile, uh, social media is the way to let us know what you think about all of this. Uh, Are you somebody who has gotten the vaccines and even a booster? I I am in that camp. Uh, I rushed out as soon as I was eligible to go get the booster uh, because I strongly believe that Uh, The way out of this pandemic is the vaccine, and it's not just about my own health. It's about everybody else, that uh, I'm less likely to spread the disease if I'm vaccinated uh, and boosted. But there are a lot of other people I know who feel differently and have acted differently. Call and tell us why. Call and tell us what your doubts are about the vaccine, and also tell us what it would take for you to, to participate uh, again 313-577-1019 is the number you can also go to the wdet facebook page or twitter the comments there and uh we'll work into the conversation we've got a lot of social media comments already but i want to start with this one big neo on twitter says at this stage of the pandemic the folks who want the vaccine have it anti-vax persons will not be convinced to get it threaten their income they scream about their rights and sue Nothing will change their minds, not even the death of someone close to them. Uh, Liz Hamill, I wonder if you can talk about the extent to which people are dug in at this point as as our listener says on Twitter, he believes people can't be convinced anymore uh, that that you're either on one side or or the other and and that's that's where we stand. Does the data suggest that? Does it tell us anything about? how strongly people believe this and whether they might change their minds?
2: Yeah that's a great question and you know I will say we have seen in our surveys since December there is a persistent share of the public. It's been between 12 and 15 percent in all of our surveys and really hasn't moved in a statistically significant way that says they're definitely not going to get vaccinated. Um, and that, you know, that share when we've tested different messages, different incentives, there, you know, very few of those people say that anything would convince them to get vaccinated. But that group really makes up about half of the unvaccinated at this point. So there's still another 10 to 15 percent that haven't gotten vaccinated that say they're still waiting to see, or they have concerns and questions, or they would actually get vaccinated if they were required to for work or other activities. And so, while, yes, there is a, a share that seems like they won't be convinced, there are still some people who are convincible. Um, So, you know, I I think um, we have seen a slowdown in the vaccination uptake. But one thing we learned um, after the Delta surge over the summer was we saw more people get vaccinated. And when we asked in our surveys what motivated them, it was about seeing their local hospitals filling up again Mm -hmm. or knowing someone who got really sick or died. Um, And so, You know, unfortunately, sometimes it has to be something really tragic that will change people's minds. But um, I wouldn't say that, you know, that everybody who hasn't gotten vaccinated is unconvincible at this point.
1: And and do we know what it is that would convince them? I mean, is it a, a change of perspective about the facts and the science? Or are they waiting for a piece of data that they just haven't that they just haven't gotten yet?
2: I mean, I think the one thing we've learned is that the the personal connections are so important. We've done um, some surveys where we've asked open-ended questions of people who were previously hesitant to get vaccinated, and then they changed their mind. And we said, what changed their mind? And, it, you know, the, the most frequent responses were about personal connections. My child convinced me. My wife convinced me. Um, I really wanted to be able to visit my grandmother. Um, I had a conversation with my health care provider. Um, and so it's really at this point not about what they're going to learn in the news or see on social media. It's really about having those personal connections.
1: Okay. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to continue this conversation about the disparities that exist among us when it comes to vaccinations for COVID-19. I want to thank Liz Hamill, Vice President and Director of Public Opinion and Survey Research at the Kaiser Family Foundation, for joining us. I know, Liz, you have uh, another engagement that you've got to make, but I really appreciate the time you gave us today. Thanks for being with us. Great. Thanks for having me. Okay. When we come back... We're going to get to your calls and your social media comments. Uh, 313-577-1019 is the number here on the phones. Call and tell us where you stand on vaccinations for COVID-19. And tell us what would change your mind if you're someone who is not taking the vaccine are you waiting to hear something or see something uh, have you just not gotten the right information or do you just not trust science to guide us through this horrible pandemic again 313 1019 we'll get to phone calls next we'll be right back with more Detroit today Listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. And as always, thanks for tuning in. My guest is Charles Gaba, a Bloomfield based independent healthcare analyst. He's also the founder of ACA signups.net, which has been live tracking Obamacare enrollments since the exchanges were launched in October of 2013. What we're talking about today is vaccination rates and the information that tells us about the disparities that we continue to see uh, between some communities that are really enthusiastic about the COVID-19 vaccination and are nearing that 70 or 80% uh, vaccination rate that we we really need nationally to get to uh, and then other places where lots of people are still really skeptical about either the effectiveness or the safety or some aspect of the vaccinations, and they are still they're still sitting it out. Uh, we want to hear from you about how you feel about all of these things. Are you somebody who is pro-vax and has not only gotten vaccinations but maybe also got the booster? Maybe took your children, your young children, at this point to make sure that they got the vaccine, or are you somebody who is just not comfortable with all of this, uh, still sitting on the sidelines and waiting for something to tell you that it's okay to take the vaccination. Uh, we'd love to hear what that something might be. Uh, what could happen? What could you learn that would change your mind and get you to take uh, the vaccine? Um, or are you so dug in that you're just ready to ride it out and and you believe that uh, we don't need to take the vaccine to get out of the pandemic? <clears throat> As always, the number here on the phones is 313 313- That's 313-577-1019 You can also go to the WDET Facebook page, put comments there Or go to Twitter and Hashtag uh, Detroit Today And we'll work you into the conversation Let's start today with William in Detroit William, welcome to the show Hey William, go ahead How are you? Good
3: well, I just wanted to say uh, I I had COVID at one point. Fortunately, I was able to fight it off in a couple of days. That's good. Uh but but from research, just looking around and talking to people, I think one thing that people were concerned about that I've talked to was especially with teenagers, there were reports of teenagers possibly con- uh getting myocarditis, something dealing with the heart. So I know a lot of parents was concerned about that. And then also, it just seems to me that if this vaccine was for a particular variant and is morphing into other variants, it would seem like we are taking a vaccine Mm -hmm. for a variant that may be causing the morphing, because possibly the the virus may say, hey, well, this looks like it's trying to kill us. Let's morph into something else because the vaccine is not 100 percent. For that particular
1: variant. Mm. So, so William, I really appreciate the call and and love the perspective that that you're bringing to the conversation here. You know, unfortunately today we don't have uh, we don't have a um, we don't have a, a doctor with us on the phones. Uh, frequently, when we talk about this on the show, we try to have a scientist with us who can answer these kinds of questions. Uh, I I will say, though, that you ought to go to the CDC's website uh, because there's so much information there, not just about uh, this particular vaccine, but about vaccines in general, how they work, how they don't work, what they do, what they don't do. Uh, And I know that there is an article on the CDC's website about this particular question about the Delta variant, Uh, and according to them, Vaccines in the U.S. are really highly effective. Uh, and I think we all have experience with that with lots of other diseases, of course. But this particular vaccine is is effective against the Delta variant. It's not true that uh, that the variant is somehow escaping um, the vaccine. It is true that there are breakthrough cases, and that's what we have been uh, experiencing. That's one of the problems we continue to have Uh but the answer to that is not less vaccinations or fewer vaccinations. The answer to that is more. The answer to that is that if more people did take uh, the vaccine, uh, it, it would actually be more effective. I know that's kind of hard to, to to wrap our minds around sometime, but, but that's actually how it works. Uh, Charles Gabe, I wonder if you can talk, though, about – the role of information like what William was sharing with us, some of it not quite right uh, in in these disparities in these places where people are just not not willing to take the vaccine
0: uh sure, well, uh, thank you and um you know as as you noted uh, i I am not a doctor, I am not a scientist, so that's important to you know to get clear. Um, what I can say is that I know that uh, the various studies I've read about the uh, you know, regarding the uh, myocardial um, issues that it's, it does, it, it, it there has been some evidence of it happening in extremely rare cases, but it's a matter. I mean, to me, it's a matter of you know, the, the relative risks of things. Um, you know, if you, if you don't get vaccinated, how, how, how likely are you to contract, you know, to be infected with uh, one variant or another of COVID? And how likely are you to, you know, uh, to have to be hospitalized and to get really sick and, you know, potentially even die? And even if you don't die from it, uh, what are the odds of having what's called long COVID, you know, the, the long term uh, debilitating health effects versus the odds of you know, uh, it's extremely rare instance of uh, having some sort of a heart issue from it. Uh, and what, you know, I, I know that the studies that I have read have found that it's overwhelmingly uh, in favor of getting vaccinated.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, again, I, I'm not going to go into specifics because I'm not, you know, a scientist or doctor. Um, but yeah, it is important. It is vitally important to get accurate information from credible sources, uh, you know, regardless of what you're talking about and that's that's sort of the key thing as, as you noted, go to the I, I would strongly recommend go visit the CDC website and they have a whole slew of studies and you know reports and, and an analysis and such which show, you know what about this variant? what about that variant what you know, what’s the effect of the vaccine of this age group or that age group and so on. And there's all sorts of studies that have been done that have double checked, triple-checked, you know, um, and cross check with, you know, peer-reviewed studies, that sort of thing, mm-hmm. to make sure that they have their data accurate. And the overwhelming evidence is that basically everyone should get vaccinated.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's what the CDC says. I mean, that's what the scientists are telling us, is that the safest way uh, to to get through this is to get a vaccination. Again, William, really appreciate the call. Uh, and and your comments. Uh, let's go to Virginia in Detroit. Virginia, what's on your mind?
4: Hi, Stephen. Hi. Nice to nice to talk to you. Sure. Um, yeah, I was uh, just wanting to share the perspective that my nuclear family is um, uh, is fully vaccinated, um, with the exception of our son, who is actually expecting his second shot next week. And one of the things that I was sharing um in addition my husband and i are actually members of a vaccine trial um but we um we and our family um have a very broad spectrum mm-hmm. <laughs> among my um uh among my relatives mm-hmm. who are very vaccine hesitant um or not even vaccine hesitant so much as vac- vaccine averse mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's just become increasingly difficult to have any kind of family relationship um, as long as we are sitting in a position of trying to convince them of getting the vaccine, yeah. and so that has become basically a non-starter. Hmm. So it's it's really um, I guess it's it's helpful in the sense that my family is not local, so we don't see them, so it's not a um, it, it's it's not something that actually changes our ability to see them physically because we just don't see them physically, hmm. um, but it does prevent us um, from being able to talk. So in that sense, we've we've really stopped trying to be the messengers, um, and it's uh, it's become quite painful.
1: Wow, wow! I, you know that's a that's a really moving account of the way that this dispute about vaccines divides even people inside uh, families virginia before i, I move on i, I want to talk you talk to you just a little about what what the holidays are looking like in your in your family are you are you able to gather with uh, with with your family or or is this just not possible while all of this is going on
4: Not going to gather for the holidays. Hmm. Um, however, we we are actually interring our mother um, in Georgia after the holidays, and um, what we've what we've essentially had is sort of a non agreement. That, <laughs> that People are showing up. We're going to be doing a um, a graveside service, and it will be open air and um, those of us who want to remain masked or distanced can, um, but it's a it's a very broad spectrum of of um, <clears throat> it, it is absolutely the broadest spectrum of representation that you can um, that you can get in America yeah. in, within our nuclear family.
1: Wow! So. Wow, uh, Virginia, I love that you called and 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 shared that because I think there are a lot of people. Dealing with that, that same dynamic inside their 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 families, uh, really appreciate the call uh, and the and, and the insight. Uh, let's go to Nancy now in Gross Point Park. Nancy, welcome to the show.
5: Good morning. Thanks for taking my call.
1: Uh-huh.
5: I myself um, had COVID, and I know that I had the antibodies. I was tested. Mm -hmm. so not only myself but a lot of other people so the injustice seems that for the sheer fact that the scientists are dismissing our own immune systems rather than you know and saying that we need to have the vaccine so that's a big point of contention for a lot of people is that it seems like it's just one-sided science and they're only saying the way we're going to get out of this is with the vaccine Mm -hmm. when we grew up knowing that we could trust our own immune system and that once we contracted something we would have the immunity to fight
6: it off.
1: Hmm. So, so so Nancy again appreciate the call and the comments um but do you know why the scientists are saying the vaccine is superior to natural immunity? I mean you 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 seem to be suggesting that they're just picking one over the other but
5: no No, and you know what? I mean, we can see so far right now just how well the vaccine has been working. So many people that I know that have had the vaccine, they've also contracted COVID again, and even with the booster, they have contracted COVID again. Hmm. So, yeah, go ahead. So there's there's some inconsistency here, and to say that this is like a one size fits all, I know other people as well that have taken the vaccine and are vaccine injured or. Who have passed away. So, so this is a real point of contention that, you know, truly needs to be talked yeah, about. Yeah. And if you check the I, Bayer's report... I, I, I agree that no it part-
1: needs to be talked about, Nancy, but it needs to be talked about with fact. And there are a couple facts that, that I just want to put out there. One is there's no question that people who are vaccinated are still contracting COVID. Uh, it, that's because the vaccine is not 100% effective. It never was said to be. But the overwhelming number of cases that they're seeing in hospitals right now, if you talk to the people who run the hospitals in our community, are people who are unvaccinated. Most of the cases, by an overwhelming margin, are people who aren't vaccinated. So so that's one fact that we got to get out there. Also, I want to just read something from the CDC website about the difference between Vaccine immunity and natural immunity, which is the other point that you brought up. So this is from the CDC website. It says, getting COVID-19 may offer some natural protection, known as immunity. Current evidence suggests that reinfection with the virus that causes COVID-19 is uncommon in the 90 days after initial infection. However, experts don't know for sure how long this protection lasts. And the risk of severe illness and death from COVID-19 far outweighs the any benefit of natural immunity. So it's not that the CDC is dismissing natural immunity. It's trying to put that into the context of everything that's going on. And it's comparing that kind of immunity to the immunity that we believe, at least, Comes from the vaccine. So uh, again, Nancy, really encourage you go to that CDC website. There is all kinds of great information there from the scientists who are uh, at the forefront of trying to figure out what's going on uh, with, with with all of this. And of course, it, it is a changing it is a changing picture almost daily. Still, we don't know where this is all headed, and we need to be able to trust science. I think. To tell us uh, where we should be, where we should be going, and what we should be doing. And the best advice I've heard from anyone so far is: if you got questions, if you're unsure of certain, of of some of of something, go see your doctor. Go ask your own physician what he or she recommends for uh, being safe from uh, COVID-19. Okay. We're going to take another quick break. And when we come back, we're going to continue this conversation about vaccine disparities, what the data tells us, uh, what you feel about taking the vaccine or not. 313 577 1019 is the number here on the phones. That's 313 577 1019. You can also go to Facebook or Twitter, put comments there, and uh, we'll work into the conversation. We'll be right back with more Detroit Today. right today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson and as always thanks for tuning in. We're having a really interesting conversation today about the disparities among us when it comes to the COVID-19 vaccines. So many people have decided to take the vaccine and maybe the booster decided to get their kids vaccinated which you can do now. But many, many other people have decided that uh, the vaccine's not right for them. They don't think it's safe. They don't think it's effective. They believe that there's another way out of the pandemic. Uh, we want to hear which side you fall on in that uh, equation. We want to hear why. What, what, it, what is the reason that you're doing what you're doing? Uh, we've got a great guest with us as well. Charles Geba is a Bloomfield-based independent healthcare analyst and founder of ACA Signups.net, which has been live tracking Obamacare enrollments since the exchanges launched in October of 2013. Uh, but give us a call. Let us know where you stand on all of these questions about the vaccine, about the pandemic, about the variants which continue to develop, in part, in part because so many people are unvaccinated, understand, please understand that those who are not vaccinated are giving the virus new chances and new life. And that is where the variants are coming from. Again, 313-577-1019 is the number. Go to Facebook or Twitter, put comments there, and we'll work you into the conversation that way. Before we get back to listeners, Charles, I want to talk just a little about ACA signups, uh, we are in the open enrollment period now for health care coverage. Medicare open enrollment ends today. Uh, December 15th is the last day to enroll in or change plans for 2022 coverage that starts January 1st, 2022. And the open enrollment period ends entirely on January 15th. First, what are the most important things that people need to know about health care enrollment this year?
0: Uh, yes, uh, definitely, and, and and thank you for for getting those. Thank you for getting those dates right, because uh, the the fact that there's been a month extension of the final deadline this year is one of the new one of the things that's new this year. Um, up uh, the last few years, uh, the final deadline in at least for Michigan and most other states was December 15th, and after that, you were basically out of luck uh, unless you qualified for special enrollment. Um, but this year. December fifteenth, as you know, it is the deadline. If you want your coverage to start on January first, but if you want, to, uh, if you uh, enroll between then and January fifteenth, then you're, you would still be able to have coverage starting February first. I still strongly advise people to get in before December fifteenth so that you you have coverage right out of the gate starting January. However, the biggest and most important, and I cannot over stress this enough, uh, thing that's new this year is thanks to the American Rescue Plan, which was passed last spring, uh, uh, ACA, uh, otherwise known as Obamacare, uh, the financial assistance, the financial subsidies for paying uh, for covering premiums, uh, if you enroll in an ACA plan, have been dramatically expanded and improved uh, so that millions more people nationally are now eligible for financial help. And those who are, who are already eligible – uh, are now eligible for far more generous financial subsidies um, to you know, slash down on your, uh, your premiums and in a lot of cases your uh, deductibles and co-pays and things like that as well. So that's, that's the number one thing is that if, you, if you've if you tried before, if you've gone to healthcare.gov in the past and, and you plug in your information, you plug in your income and it's set up, you don't qualify for any help, try again this year because for 2022 the odds are that, you probably will qualify this year, uh, at least for some assistance. And in, in many cases, people are seeing are going from no assistance to thousands of dollars in savings. So that's the number one thing I would say.
1: Hmm. Hmm. Uh, um, yeah, go ahead.
0: Oh, sure. Uh, the other thing I would say is, um, and this, this also ties in with that, um, there are some people who have uh, not qualified for financial help in the past, and so they've it, They've said, well, I, I don't have employer coverage. I don't qualify for Medicare. I don't qualify for Medicaid. Um, and so they've enrolled directly through a, a health insurance company like Blue Cross, Blue Shield or whatever. And in, in some cases, they've skipped uh, going through the ACA exchange at healthcare.gov because they figured, well, I'm not going to get any financial help anyway, so I might as well just get rid of some of the paperwork, you know, cut through some of the red tape and go directly. Well, that might have made sense in the past, but again, this year I would strongly recommend if you're buying insurance you know, yourself, uh, for you and your family, um, through the individual market, I would definitely go through healthcare.gov because the odds are that you probably will qualify for financial help. You could be leaving literally thousands of dollars on the table. Um, so if you're off exchange, which is what that's called, I would go on
1: exchange this year. Hmm. Uh, what are the enrollment numbers looking like? in 2021 are we going to see lots of people signing up for aca coverage
0: yes actually um last year was actually the highest or when i say last year i'm talking about last fall for 2021 <laughs> for this year um on the uh, affordable care act uh, exchanges uh it broke it broke 12 million people who signed up nationally and which is uh the highest it's been in a number of years this year uh going into 2022 I strongly suspect it's going to be 13 or maybe even 14 million people this year. Um, a lot of the people who are going to be signing up are people who actually already signed up mid-year over the, over the summer because there was a special enrollment period you know, partway through the year. So there's a lot of people who signed up, uh, about, about 2.8 million people nationally signed up over that, uh, that summer um, special enrollment period who are already in the system, and so you know, most of them presumably are going to renew their coverage, but there's also going to be hundreds of thousands, possibly millions of people who newly enroll, and I suspect that this is probably going to be the largest, uh, the, the, the highest uh, open enrollment period since the exchanges launched in, uh, in late 2013.
1: Again, three one three five seven seven one zero one nine is the number here on the phones. Let's go to Vera in Dearborn. Vera, welcome to the show. Hi, right, thank you. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Uh,
6: um, I think from my perspective, part of the uh, mistrust in the vaccines um, comes from that our current medical system is a for-profit system. It's driven by profit. Uh, and when that happens, there's an in- inherent conflict of interest. Mm. Um, so, you know, Pfizer, Moderna, and J&J, they're all corporations who re- report to shareholders. Mm-hmm. Some hospitals are run by private equity firms. But, like I said, it's its a conflict of interest, and when you have that con- inherent conflict of interest, you it's, it's hard to trust that they're putting our best interest for profit. Hmm. Well, My, wait, well, please let me finish.
5: Go
1: ahead. My
6: experience with the medical system has been very damaging. I don't trust the medical system for that reason.
2: Mm-hmm.
6: I make informed decisions, and I have been um, severely abused by them because they, they wanted to put their um, agenda before my health, hmm. and so we'll look at Boeing. Boeing, so, what the choices they made. So Vera, to yeah,
1: no, no, Vera. Can can I ask you whether you've taken the vaccine?
6: Not yet, because this medical system. I have something that I need treatment for, and I cannot get them to treat it. Hmm.
1: So, and so Vera, is, I, I, I. I, I Told me to cut you off, but we're going to run out of time on the show. Uh, I, I do appreciate your calling. I do appreciate the point you're making. I don't like the system that uh, the health system that we have either. I think profit does play too big a role in too many decisions inside the the, the healthcare system. And I'm really sorry that the experience that you've had uh, uh, has, has put you in a position where as you say, you you feel like you've been taken advantage of or abused by a system that values profit over over other things. At the same time, the science here, the CDC is not part of that for-profit healthcare system. And that's what's driving these decisions. That's what has been driving the things that we understand about the virus that we didn't earlier. And it's what's driven the whole push for the vaccines. No question that uh, the people who made the vaccines make money off of it. That is the system that we have. But we also have independent sources telling us that the vaccine is the way out of the pandemic. And I guess I would I would ask you to put a little more trust, I guess, in in those sources. Uh, um, you know, universities, uh, nonprofits, health experts all over, all over the world who don't work in the for-profit system are saying that the vaccine is the way forward. So, if you don't trust Pfizer, if you don't trust a privately owned hospital, trust the CDC, trust the University of Michigan, trust Wayne State University. There are people at all of those places saying independently that the vaccine is is the way forward. Okay, Vera, I really appreciate the call uh, and the comments. And uh, Charles Gaba, it was really great to have you here with us for this conversation. Thanks so much for uh, stopping by. Uh,
0: Thank you for having me. appreciate it.
1: Okay, that is going to do it for us today. Come back tomorrow when writer Will Storr is going to join the program to talk about his new book, The Science of Storytelling, Why Stories Make Us Human, and how to tell them better. This is 1019 WDETFM, Detroit's NPR station, your connection to news, music, and conversation. We'll talk more tomorrow.